Welcome to the Industry Playbook, a newcomer's guide to the music industry. We discuss contracts, getting paid and getting heard. So sit back, listen and take notes. Hi guys, welcome to the Industry Playbook podcast, episode two. And uh, today, as usual, I am Mr. Shmuz, aka Dignified, Damola Shoreno Lubingpe. And with me today is... Uh, the... <laughs> you're welcome man you're welcome Thanks for having me man you're welcome this is smooth <laughs> smooth one <laughs> we try we no, try we, we try <laughs> so again thank you guys for joining us today today's episode is titled uh, songwriting and we'll be talking about songwriting uh what you can do as a songwriter how you could secure your rights or your creative efforts as a songwriter uh, we'll be defining what a songwriter is we'll be talking about the types of songwriting contracts that exist and elements of songwriting contracts and then we might also um, time permitting talk about a couple of case studies that have um, been in the news lately so uh, without wasting time in the nigerian space yes within in the nigerian space case studies in the nigerian space so uh, without wasting time i think we should go right into it who is a songwriter? Do you care to tell us who a songwriter is? Yeah, the music business is about recorded music and written music. Yeah. And it is usually the case that music is first written before it is recorded. Yeah. The written music is seen as the underlining component or the foundation of recorded music because most of the time people sit down to come up with the lyrics and the melodies before they go back to the studio to record. Although that is like the traditional way, but again, in 2020, a lot of people just hop into the studio and, you know, they just freestyle and vibe and come up with the lyrics yeah. right on the spot and they come up with the melodies right on the spot. But traditionally, it used to be the case that music is composed, written, which means the lyrics literary work the lyrics yeah and the composition the melodies the other aspects of maybe the drum patterns uh the guitar lyrics the guitar licks and the likes so that would also be prepared before everything is put together and then going over to the studio before you now record so it means there is a song before the recording the song is the lyrics and the melody the lyrics and the composition. That makes sense. And when it is recorded, you have a record. That makes sense. So the songwriter is usually the guy who comes up with the lyrics or the composition or the melody or the drum pattern. These are all songwriters. So it's safe to say that a songwriter is one of the most important um, parts or most important individuals when it comes to creating a song is that correct exactly without a doubt um, the songwriter is always involved in the creative process all right i don't think any the music business can survive without songwriting uh, uh, people who are the masters of songwriting are the songwriters yeah and that is true so it's also safe to say that sometimes we have uh, situations where the recording artist is the same person as a songwriter and uh, we also have situations where the songwriter is an entirely separate individual from the songwriter. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, the music business is highly collaborative. Mm. 
Uh, it is hardly the case that it's just a one-man show where only very, very special people, maybe like J. Cole and uh, Ross, mm. can be mixing engineers, can be songwriters, can be performers, can be record producers, all at the same time. So I think the traditional default way of putting music together is having a lot of people come together to try to make a masterpiece. Yep. And again, that means that the songwriter is different from the record producer. The record producer is different from the performer. Yeah. The mixing engineer is different from the record producer. But again, with the help of technology, these different roles are being blurred. Yeah. Just a single person can actually play all these roles now. But they're all becoming intertwined now. Is that correct? Exactly. All right. That's the word. All right. Mr. Smooth. (laughs) You're right on that one. So during my research, I did uh, see that uh, songwriters are usually contracted to the music publisher, which in this case is usually the record labels, as opposed to being contracted directly to the recording or performing artist. Do you care to shed more light on that? Yeah, this will apply when there is a label in place Hmm. or when there's a music publisher in place. Yeah. Oftentimes, without the label or the music publisher, a single person will double as as a songwriter and his own publisher. So that means if I'm a songwriter, before I get any deal with a music publisher, I would self-publish by default Mm. because that is how the business is. Also, as a performing artist, before I get a record deal, if I go to a studio and I pay for the record, automatically I'm doubling as like the record label. Yeah, as a performer or as a recording artist is to the record label. Yeah, that is how the songwriter is to the music publisher. In the event that there is no music publisher relationship with the songwriter, he will double as a music publisher. Right. So music publishers traditionally sign on songwriters to their company for the sole purpose of having them come up with different compositions yeah which they would then be able to pitch for exploitation or commercial exploitation traditionally you get songwriters on your music publishing company then the compositions they come up with written music sometimes they come up with demos yeah you get all of these then you go to the record companies and you look for the artist that can perform the composition to satisfaction and then you give them the license to use the composition, to use your demo, to record it. That was how the business was. And up until this day, some people still do business that way. In fact, I don't think that is going anywhere anytime soon. Mm. A lot of songwriters, they come up with different demos, yeah. which they're also able to pass to this recording artist to see if they like the shop the composition. Right. The recording artist likes it they'll come to terms and everybody benefits. All right. All right. That makes sense. So now speaking about songwriting contracts, what are the elements of a songwriting contract? What should we expect to find or what are the key clauses that we should be paying attention to on the songwriting contract? Well, I think a good place to start would be the relationship has to be defined by how much of work. What is the scope? Yeah. Am I just doing it a one-time arrangement or am I going to be doing a lot of work? Am I going to be creating a lot of musical works while I'm on that contract or is it just going to be a one-off? Yeah. A single musical work. 
a single composition. So am I writing a song for you? Am I writing five songs a for you? Songs. Yes. Am I writing uh, ten songs for you? That has to be exactly. defined in the contract. Exactly. Okay. I think that would usually be tied to how long you want to be in bed together. Yeah. How long the songwriter wants to be in relationship with the music publisher. So also that leads to a very very important question like what are the deliverables? After we know what the deliverables are, how long are we going to be together for? Usually, the question of duration will be linked to how many compositions you are able to deliver on that contract. Yeah. So I think those are the two determining factors. All right. Which is how many compositions am I going to deliver? And for how long? A lot of work, then it's going to determine how long we'll be together. Yeah. Yes. So, are there any other elements of a uh, songwriting contract? Um, I mean, things like uh, release commitments. Like there are also questions of ownership. Who would own the copyrights and all the compositions that I come up with as a, as a songwriter? Yeah. Also, following ownership would be a question of control. Yeah. There are times where you submit some compositions to, your, to the music publisher and they might not be satisfied. They might need you to rewrite, or maybe to work on it, maybe adjust and the likes. Yeah. So those are also very, very important questions the songwriter would need to ask. Yeah. A lot of songwriters, they want to exercise control. They don't like it that you're dictating how they go about their creative endeavors. So many of them are very, very jealous with how you treat their creation. Yeah. So, who has the final secretary? Mm. Also, uh, there's the question of territory. Am I going to be having this relationship with a publisher just in Europe? Is it going to be global? Is it going to be the African market? Because uh, the business of songwriting is very, very huge. And sometimes it pays to compartmentalize it mm. so that uh, you're actively maximizing the potentials of your work. You get it? Yeah, that's correct. So that would be the question of territory. Maybe you have a publishing relationship for a number of songs with a publisher in the US. And also you have a relationship with a music publisher who is looking for opportunities for you in, in the UK and in other areas in Europe, in other territories in Europe. Maybe you also have a relationship with a music publisher in Dubai who oversees your operations in, in Asia and in the Arab territories. So those are questions. Also, aside territory, you'll be looking at exclusivity. Definitely, if you're having a relationship with so many people, that means there isn't any kind of exclusivity. Yeah. Because you've compartmentalized the expectation of your works. These songwriters aren't loyal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't think many people do this type of deals where uh, because also when you have too many people running your business as a songwriter, there is bound to be some complications as, as a result. Yeah. So there will be some complexities too. So usually, if you are not a legacy songwriter yet, by legacy, I mean, if you've not written hits upon hits, if you've not been in the business for more than 25 years or 20 years, yeah, it is best you keep your business intact just maybe with one publisher. So everything is well documented. And you're able to track what you're doing and also the compensation that has been streaming in. 
trust me, songwriting is big business. Music publishing is very, very huge. Mm. Also, the business is everybody's trying to work with you because they also want a piece of the royalties that will be streaming in. Yeah. There has to be some agreement as to the percentage that the publishers will take. If there isn't just one publisher, how much is he entitled to take as compensation for the work that he's been doing? That's a very, very important term. Yeah. That you need to know. So now, now you're talking, is this recording cost you're talking about? Or you're yeah, talking about the royalty split? Oh, the split of the royalties. Exactly. All right. All right. Also, sometimes these songwriters get advances at the inception of a relationship with the music publisher for them to be solely focused on music some of them are very very particular about getting the advance so it's not just the recording artist that gets advance in their contracts yeah, songwriters too makes sense exactly so they get the, this advance as against what's the income they will earn in the future imagine I'm a songwriter and I landed a publishing deal with maybe Universal Universal is giving me like $100,000. So I'm getting that advance to just keep body and soul together and make me focused on the hustle. Yeah. And Universal has the expectation that when I start making money from my publishing, this $100,000 that they've already paid mm. will be deducted yeah. or will be recouped from future royalties. So that is the business. Makes sense. Also, some music publishing companies would also give you funding so that you are able to record music as a songwriter, come up with different demos, attend different writing camps. So if you are domiciled, if you live in the UK, your music publishing company can give you maybe like $20,000. Okay, we need you to attend certain writing camps in the US. Yeah. Or we needed to go to Nashville for a songwriting workshop or a songwriting class to develop itself. Those are part of recording costs or songwriting costs that will be recoupable, just like advances. So we'll put you in the studio with uh, other A-list songwriters, A-list producers. It would cost $20,000. Mm. When you are able to get placements from all those works, the music publisher also has a mindset that, well, we'll put you in the room with maybe like a Beyonce or a Rihanna or like a Scott Scotch. Yeah. When we get placements and those songs do very, very well, when we sign a split sheet, of course, the music publisher will benefit and the songwriter will also benefit. You mentioned split sheet there, and I want you to very quickly just sort of break that down. So split sheets, I'm assuming, is where the recording artist and the songwriter, maybe the producer, all define what percentage of royalties they are getting from exactly. a body of work. Is that correct? Yeah, that's oh, exactly. all right. Great. In, in very, very plain terms, it is a documentation of ownership of compositions. Songwriters come together after they've created music, after they've created the song, and everybody is able to come to an agreement to say, out of the whole, yeah. Out of 100%, this is what is due to you as the record producer. This is what is due to you as the artist because you also wrote a piece of the song even though you didn't write the major hooks yeah. of the verses or you wrote, you contributed in some way. Okay, 
I'll give you a slice. Also, the big songwriters, we're assuming that the songwriters are different from the artists here. Yeah. But again, it is just the documentation of ownership that is executed by songwriters. Simple mm. and short. So at this point, let's also talk about you know, a situation where the recording artist is the same person or is the same individual as who is also the songwriter. So in this case, is it possible or is it normal for a recording artist to have a contract as a recording artist and then still be contracted as a songwriter? Meaning that can they get paid as a recording artist on a song and also as a songwriter on a song? Yes, remember we said at inception that the music business is about recorded music and written music, which yeah. means every piece of recording in an MP3 that can be streamed embodies the composition, yeah. written music and the recorded music. So while you are making the masters and you are making the compositions, as an artist, as a songwriter, you are going to be benefiting from these two separate and same copyright. In a particular recording, there is the recorded music, which is the masters, and there is the composition, mm. which is lyrics and melody. So, as a songwriter who is also the performing artist, you'll be benefiting from the exploitation of the masters and also the exploitation of the composition. Mm. Simple and short. So, so that's the best of both worlds. <laughs> exactly. You are getting the, you are making money from the two sides. But most of the time, the songwriters or the music producers do not have that benefits to be able to also get benefits from the masters except they're able to secure royalty points as music producers in certain instances too some songwriters are able to also use their leverage to ensure that they also benefit from the masters but that is hardly the case mm. especially when there are majors when you have the big record companies they don't want to share the masters with the songwriter but they are willing to share producer points, to give producer points to the producer. Yeah. Also, bear it in mind that music producers are default songwriters because they lay the tracks, they write all the tracks, and they piece the tracks together. And sometimes they also have words and the hooks are made and they also make yeah. contributions. Yeah. Yes. All right, that makes sense. So... There's another clause that I came about, which is, um, I think they said, the re-recording restrictions. Should I be a songwriter and I you know write the lyrics for this song and say maybe next year the artist wants to do a remix of that particular song, would I still get paid as a songwriter? Can I insist on that in my contract? I, I, I want well, to have... Yes. This type of um, contract is usually between... Okay, let me look at it from this angle. Mm -hmm. When the music publisher says that I want, maybe in a year, I need 10 original compositions. Yeah. Um, sometimes we know that when a song does well, the songwriter might want to have a remix of that song. The recording artist, you mean? No, the songwriter, maybe he's also the recording artist. Oh, yes, yes. Might want to also have like a remix, like a remake of that song. Yeah. Just you know, they tweak it here and there, and it is a new derivation of the original. Yeah. So some music publishers might frown at that and say, "This is not an entirely new composition, so this will not count when you submit it. It might do well in the market, and maybe you might also be able to exploit the masters 
but this will not stand as an extra or as an original composition. Mm. That's one aspect to look at this. Also, when a songwriter is in agreement with another songwriter or a performing artist, they would also want to secure the interest in the original song that they are writing to say, okay, we wrote the original. Anytime you, as a performing artist, if you want to make a remix, maybe feature the likes of Eminem and Drake and the likes, I still want to be able to benefit. Because when we recorded the original, I had a percentage in the split. And when we signed the split sheet, maybe I got 25%. Now you are bringing Drake, you are bringing Eminem on the same record. These are people with huge following and, you know, the audience is waiting for that kind of opportunity. I want to also be a a partaker in the benefits that will come from the commercial exploitation of this new composition. So maybe I had 25% before with the remix. I want to be able to dictate to say, okay, instead of 25, maybe I'll step it down to 20 Mm. or 15. So those are some very, very important clauses that songwriters would also want to um, add to yeah. the contract. So how about things like auditing, royalty statements, termination clauses? How does that work? And then also assignments as well, you know. Let's take it one at a time. Mm-hmm. With auditing of accounts, like in any business venture where uh, people license IP, songwriters want to care about the transparency to see the flow of income and to ensure that what is due to them gets to them. So usually with publishing contracts, there is that clause that guarantees that. Yeah. Say, okay, royalty statements will come every six months or every three months. Also, I want to retain as a songwriter the opportunity to look through the books maybe once in a year or once in two years. Yeah. I want to be able to ensure that all these royalty statements that you are sending to me is legit, it is genuine. Open up your books, let me go by it at my cost. I will show that the course. I will come with my auditors and my accountants. They look over the books. Yeah. So that's one aspect. I think you also mentioned uh, assignment and termination. Yeah. Right? Yes, I did. Uh, so assignment and termination, how the contracts can be terminated. And uh, Yes. Um, definitely, music publishers want to ensure that they are able to assign the contract because they can be bought by a bigger music publishing company or a bigger music company. And... The promises they made under the contract can be passed on to a bigger company. Yeah. But they do not want to give the opportunity to the songwriter for the songwriter to be able to assign his obligations under contract to another songwriter. Definitely, because they have shouldered more risk. Yeah. Oftentimes, they paid for recording sessions. They've given you an advance. So they don't want you to, as a songwriter, to be able to just assign the contract to another songwriter. It doesn't make any business sense. To the music publisher. I see. Yeah. So with termination, like in any relationship, people want to be able to exercise the right to say, okay, I'm done. I have to leave. Yeah. And that will be hinged on a number of reasons. Maybe there's been a breach of promise. Yeah. And uh, whatever breach of promise has not been able to rectify the breach or the music publisher has stopped um is no longer operational or has gone bankrupt. Um, that could be a ground for termination. All right, that makes and sense. There are many other reasons for termination as well. 
All right. So in my contract as a songwriter, can I also specify if I'm giving credits? So if I'm publicly credited as a songwriter on the record, rather than being credited as a ghostwriter, is that exactly? Is there, again, can you specify that in your contract? Well, not in the music publishing contract. It is usually in a separate songwriter agreement with whoever you are collaborating with. Maybe the performing artist or the recording artist, you want to ensure that anywhere the master goes, the creator of the composition also is duly recognized and acknowledged for his contribution to the record. All right. That makes sense. Yes. Thank you for discussing all of these elements of a songwriter's contract. Just to sort of recap, I think you mentioned about, you know, in a songwriter's contract, the work or the composition being contracted must be outlined. The volume, so whether we're yeah. we're contracting for a single song or a number of songs, that must be written in black and white. Um, you also spoke about control, creative control. So the publisher's ability to you know make ch- creative changes, or you know, is it that the songwriter has full freedom or liberty in that regard? We also spoke about royalty splits, you know, and at that point, I think you mentioned the split sheets. And then we also spoke about exclusivity, whether the songwriter is exclusive to that publisher or that label, or if it's, this is a work for hire relationship. And then uh, you also spoke about territory, meaning that what geographical area does this agreement cover? Is this a global contract? Is this a regional contract? Is this a national contract? And then you spoke about advances and uh, recording costs. And then I think uh, we then finally touched on recording restrictions, assignment, and termination. Yeah, I think I caught it all. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I think, uh, man, you've done a good job of tapping. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you for that. So now, of all of these elements, uh, let's now talk about the types of songwriter agreements that exist today. We've outlined four types of agreements. So we have the um, individual song agreement, which you would, of course, break down. And then we have the standard or exclusive songwriter agreement, which is the most popular uh, one in use today. Then there's also the co-publishing agreements, as well as the participation, administration, and foreign sub-publishing agreement. So do you care to break that down for us uh, one by one? I'll try my best as much as I can. Yeah. So, yes, like we said earlier on, the volume of work expected of a songwriter can also determine what type of contract. So, in this case, there could be one-off deals, individual songwriter agreements, which is, okay, we just need you to write a song. Let's test the market. Let's see how prolific you are. Let's see if the song will do well. Yeah. So, that's just, just one song. A singular song agreement. Then the second type would be the traditional type, which is always a standard exclusive songwriter agreement, which means like a record label will sign a performing artist or a recording artist. The music publisher would sign the songwriter exclusively for a period of time. Yeah. And the songwriter would expect it to deliver a number of compositions yeah. while under contract. So usually, the songwriter will get all the help that he needs, you know, from the music publisher, getting opportunities, registering the music, protecting the music, also making sure that the songwriter is happy, 
you know, making sure that they have the advance that they need to be able to be at optimum level when creating music. So that's like the standard songwriter agreement. So this is where the, the songwriters contracted to say the label and yeah to the publisher to the publisher so the songwriter is writing songs exclusively for that label for all for artists on that label yeah yeah yeah. there there are instances like that too where the label in fact some of the majors have a publishing division yeah so the likes of sony universal um yeah universal the likes of warner music yeah they usually have a division of the company of the music group which has the responsibility of overseeing the catalog of the signed artists. So it goes together that, okay, the music publisher would ensure that the compositions that are being created by songwriters have the opportunities to be exploited by the recording artists signed to the music company. Yeah, that makes sense. Another type of music publishing agreement is also the co-publishing agreement which is instead of a standard or exclusive songwriter agreement, the songwriter is able to also reserve the ownership and control in the compositions that he creates. So it means that he co-owns all publishing interests in the compositions. Remember, the songwriters retain their songwriter share of the compositions, but depending on the type of contract, they would have to deal with the publishing share of the composition with the music publisher. So for a co-publishing agreement, the songwriter co-owns the copyright with the publisher. Mm. And he also receives the corresponding share of the ownership in the monies that come in. Yeah. Also, a very, very popular type of songwriting agreement is the pub administration deal is like um, the songwriter will retain ownership but he would see his catalog to a music publisher to administer on his behalf mm. to look over the compositions to register the compositions to license the compositions and for all of these the music publisher will get like a commission or like an administration fee which is usually like 10% or 20% or 15% depending on the leverage. So that's also a type of music publishing agreement. Then finally, because in 2020, the business is so big. It's a global business now. It's a global business. Mm. And very few music publishers have the resources to just track the expectation of music globally. Because of the difficulty and the complexities involved, a lot of music publishers go into sub-publishing relationships. By sub-publishing, I mean that territory by territory, these music publishers strike a relationship with publishers that are very, very efficient with working in a particular territory. So for instance, I'm a music publisher in America and I don't have the resources to effectively chase payment in France, in the Netherlands, in Sweden. I might be able to strike a relationship with sub-publishers in those different territories so that they are able to track commissions or payments or royalties for the compositions that I own or that I represent. So these sub-publishers would also get their own payments 
for all the monies they are able to get from their territories for the benefit of the publisher in the US, they will be able to also, okay, the music publisher in Sweden will collect maybe a hundred thousand dollars. You will get maybe like 10% and then remit the 90%. That makes sense. So that's uh, the nature of a sub publishing agreement. I guess the type of agreement you sign as a songwriter is dependent on what the scenario is at the time and the leverage you have at that particular time. Is that correct? Well, eloquently captured by Mr. Smooth. <laughs> I mean, you're giving me too much credit on this one. <laughs> you are know, smooth like that. I, I'm the student here. I'm, I'm learning from your expertise. <laughs> yeah, again, again, all these type of contracts will usually be dependent on the level of the artist yeah where they are but again in 2020 a lot of people do it themselves mm-hmm. and they are winning at it yes yeah. there are a lot of resources available now to songwriters where they can by themselves create this music pitch this music administer the publishing but you know as they get bigger mm. they will get other professionals on board but again they will be in the driver's seat they'll control how they are able to move with their careers yeah. and also they will also control the ownership. Makes sense. So that's what it is. Makes sense. Makes sense. Thank you very much for sharing that. So, I mean, now that you mentioned that, you know, some of these artists can do these things themselves, we've also had some cases in the news lately where, you know, some songwriters have either come out to say they weren't properly or duly credited for their work, uh, even though they got paid or some of them didn't even get paid. And then, you know, there's been counter accusations back and forth. So I just want us to look at maybe two cases very briefly. The most recent one I'll bring up now is uh, the Burner Boy versus uh, Cesar Milli uh, saga, which yeah. rocked the internet a couple of uh, days ago, maybe last week yeah. at the point of this recording. So Burner Boy had one, one of the biggest songs of last year, which was uh, On The Low, which was featured on his uh, African Giant album. And the song has done really well. I think it's wrapped up over... 10 million views on YouTube, if, if I'm not mistaken. But in a radio interview, young Cesar Mili revealed that uh, he co-wrote the song, but that, you know, he wasn't credited for the song and, you know, there was no formal agreement signed. So hence why he cannot chase up anything, right? And he claims that this songwriting session happened during a writing camp that was organized by a label that both himself and Bonoboy are affiliated with. And we're talking about Aristocrat Records here. But Bonoboy has come out on social media to say no such thing happened. And, you know, he has denied this accusation, this claims. And the label as well claims that, you know, um, such a writing session didn't happen but yes, both of the artists are affiliated to the label. So the whole thing just seems a bit messy. We don't know who's telling the truth here. So what's what's your take on this? And, you know, how could this situation have been avoided? Yeah, sadly, a lot of Nigerian record producers and songwriters are suffering the same fate uh, because they lack the necessary education. Mm. And if you lack the necessary education and you're just, you know, going on the journey blindly, uh, this type of situations will keep manifesting. So with the post that Cizamili made, he admitted that he didn't know much. I don't know if you, if you saw that post that he made. Yeah. He said he didn't know much about the songwriting business at the time. Yeah. But now he's paying serious attention to the business of songwriting. The sad truth is a lot of 
Nigerian record producers and music publishers are not knowledgeable and that is costing them a lot of money. Yeah. So if Sizamele was operating from the from the point of knowledge, we would have probably insisted that there was a song that there was a split sheet agreement signed after that songwriting session. Yeah. So right there and there, we're able to settle on who owns what and there wouldn't be this type of uh, confusing situation. Remember, when we create music, we're creating an entity that has a life of its own that even when we are gone, lives on. Lives on. Yeah. And can live for an extra 70 years. So which means your kids' kids can still benefit from the legacy of your works. So if there isn't any clear agreement, uh, you, are, you are opening up a room for this type of operas and disagreements and confusion. So it's just justifiable now that perhaps after being in the studio, let's assume it's saying the correct thing now. That means for a song that has streamed maybe 100 million worldwide, it's not getting a dime. And maybe you contributed verses or hooks or some catchy phrases on the song. Yeah. But because there wasn't any split sheet, mm. now it stands to make nothing. And this is not just Zamini. A lot of record producers and songwriters are also dealing with the same, same situation. Yeah, I mean, we also have... Sometimes I've seen many instances like some music producers, some songwriters who wrote like the biggest songs two, three years ago Many of them come to us and they start complaining that, oh, they've not seen a dime. And the question is, was there any agreement of any sort? Yeah, was there a split sheet? Was there a written agreement anywhere? Exactly. Hmm. It's not totally hopeless. You can still lay claim to those works, but hmm. it is more complex to actually clean up. I mean, now, now that you mentioned like old cases, it brings to mind the whole blackface and Two-Face Saga. So for those for those that don't know who these two individuals are, Two-Face is one of the most iconic uh, Nigerian artists or maybe African pop stars of this generation. And uh, he used to, back in the day when he started his career, he was part of a boy band known as the Plantation Boys, Boys. comprised of Two-Face himself, uh, Blackface and Faze. After like all boy bands end up, they eventually go their separate ways. And shortly after, <laughs> all of them do, you know. And shortly after, you know, Two Face Idibia left the group. He dropped a song that went on to become, you know, one of his biggest yeah. records today. Probably one, somewhat one of the biggest Afrobeat songs of all time. Um, of all time. Uh, I'm talking about uh, African Queen. African Queen. You know, and this was how many years ago? This is like 2000 or 1999, around that, or 2000, if I'm not mistaken. 2001. One, yeah. You know, it's a really, really old song. But anyway, till this day, Blackface is always in the news claiming he wrote that song. He was exactly. never duly credited. Um, he never received He's royalty. He's not yeah. earned a dime. Till this very day, there's been lots of, you know, public peace reconciliations but he will still come back later on to, to make these claims what's your it's, take it's on this is a painful experience mm. imagine that you were in black faces and shoes mm. as a band you co-wrote a song yeah i think blackface was the leader of the band at the time yes he was. he was actually very prominent with the songwriting now your teammate left the team ran along with one of your records or one of the compositions and then made a career defining record mm. And then he's like the biggest star in, the, in Africa. Yeah. And now you, you used to be teammates. You are nowhere near on the same 
level from anyone. Yeah. And you didn't get anything for contributing to your record. Yeah. Trust me, you would never forget it. Mm. So I understand Blackface's pain from time to time. It is a very traumatic experience. Yeah. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen to some of my clients. And most times they never recover from that. So the best way to deal with these situations is to be very clear from the get-go. As you create, make sure you document ownership of your creations. Mm. Make sure, like they say, the thinnest pen is better than the sharpest memory. Mm. A lot of creatives, they forget. They're dropping bars hell. They're dropping bars. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, man. A lot of these creatives, they forget. You can have an agreement, a verbal agreement today, and in five years' time, they can't even remember that anything of that there was any agreement of that sort so yeah the best thing is even if it's a sheet of paper just write it down you own 20 percent. i own 20 percent. you own 50 percent. i own 50 percent. make it as clear as possible and document it. keep your records so that you know all these efforts that you put into your creative endeavor will sometime pay years down the line even take care of you take care of the kids take care of your kids kids yeah if you want to find out more go and read up about the estate of uh, John Lennon, yeah. read about the Beatles, read about Michael Jackson's songwriting mm. empire. Yeah. And how that has really, really changed the lives of the beneficiaries of his estates. And I think on that note, we should bring this uh, episode to a close. You know, you've, you've dropped some Amazing. heavy gems here. So let's allow this one settle. <laughs> let the listeners, yeah, let it marinate. Let them, you know, yeah. take action on it now. And then we can hit them with the next episode very soon but thank you again for sharing your knowledge and your insights on this topic and i hope that uh, our listeners have been duly inspired and educated and uh, hopefully this can be a little contribution towards avoiding stories that touch in the near future (laughs) (laughs) but yes thank you again to our listeners for listening to this episode Yes, feel free to follow us on social media as well. Yes, uh, your what's your Twitter, what's your handle? Instagram, at Law. Yeah, and I respond to DMs. Just talk to me. Yeah, professional DMs only. Professional DMs, <laughs> professional DMs only. Yes, right. Yes, <laughs> and I am Mister. <laughs> and I am Mister underscore Schmooze. Uh, you can hit me up anywhere: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And yeah, I guess we'll catch you next time. Peace. Mm-hmm.